This is Comic Geek Speak, episode 1634, I'm Brian Christman. I'm Adam Murdo. And I'm Chris Everly. (laughs) And welcome to the show. This is going to be our, I like to say, loosey-goosey all over the place. Yep, and Chris is getting loosey-goosey a little early here. Coming up Carl Douglas style with his kung fu fighting on the other end. (laughs) The rattling and crashing sound that you heard over the mic. (laughs) Okay, and there will be some comics talked about, I think, in this episode. That's the idea. We'll see to it. We'll we'll see to it. But first, a word from our sponsor. This episode of Comic Geek Speak is brought to you by the fine folks at SuperheroStuff.com. You can go to for all of your... Superhero, superhero stuff. stuff. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's it's the holidays, and they have been busy, busy elves over there. Uh, not too far from where we are in the studio over in Sicking Spring. Very true. And they have many, many new arrivals. Stuff, new stuff coming in all the time. Some things that caught my eye. A Mr. Potato Head Black Panther. <laughs> a Mr. Potato Head Doctor Strange. Uh-huh. I didn't know these things existed, but they're superhero well, stuff. I. So, they're, I mean, of course, you've got all kinds of uh, lapel pins, keychains. What is this? Superman caped cannon bottle cooler. Of course, you've got the, the Funko Pops with uh, the, the Rogue One. I see here Rogue One mm-hmm. um, character. I can't pronounce his name, so I'm going to try to pronounce his name. Yep, Rogue One things seem to be one of their specialties right now, uh, not too so, surprisingly. Absolutely. There's all kinds of... Uh, Spider-Man, there's sort of Guardians of the Galaxy stuff coming up with the movie coming out, uh, new free comic day in uh, May of next year. You know, we have hats, socks, belt buckles, you know, all kinds of stuff. And the geek lover, in whether it's you or in your household, can't go wrong with SuperheroStuff.com. And I just saw today, this actually warmed the cockles of my heart on Facebook, <laughs> that uh, they, SuperheroStuff.com uh, had a sock drive in benefit of the Children's Hospital of Philadelphia, and was a success. They helped donate over 1,500 socks and 500 shirts to the hospital there. Worthy cause, certainly. Socks are important. Oh, yes. That was great, folks. SuperheroStuff.com. You can go to for all of your superhero stuff. And they're offering a special discount on expedited shipping for last-minute Christmas presents, too. Get your order in by uh, 10 a.m. on the 23rd of December. You'll probably pay a premium for that, but it's 25% off what you'd normally pay for next wow. day everything. Okay. Well, impressive. I, I did. I went uh, Because of the timing, I didn't necessarily mention that because it's so close. Because actually, as we record this, it is not quite, but almost the winter solstice we just found out. Um, we're the longest night of the year here in the, this hemisphere. Not the blackest night. No. Well, well. Although there is, there is the thing about like there's gonna be, it is gonna be like the darkest night with the moon. I don't know. Something, something I just saw that in mm. the Facebook, the Facebook. Well, today as as well. long as black lanterns don't appear, no, and that would that would not start be, rising. And... That would not be good. Uh, and since it's the holiday season, I wanted to ask you before because it's almost that time. Have you finished or will you finish the final installment uh, of a Christmas Carol? I believe I accomplished that last year, Brian. What? Are you kidding me? I, th- I thought that was the penultimate last year. Did I miss a memo somewhere? Uh, maybe you did. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you've got to be kidding me. Yeah, I feel like such a fool here. Now I've got to pull this up here. Yeah. Yeah. All our listeners can go back and hear all of those episodes now right in a row. Well, then I ought to, com- I ought to get a chapter three, chapter, chapter five. God. Yep. The end of it all. Where the hell was I last year? I was probably deep in toys mm, yeah, stuff. Yeah, anyway. Toys and Well, then maybe I'll, maybe I'll compile a whole, put it all in one long episode and put it out on Christmas Eve. How about that? Not a bad idea. Oh, that's I a wonderful I'll, idea. Uh, that, put that on my notes yeah, here. I was planning to do something similar, my, well, uh, not uh, to release it as a single Stitch Together episode, but simply to download all the parts and put them on a disc and give them to my aunt and uncle as a uh, Christmas present. Oh, excellent, excellent. They host us every Christmas Eve during the afternoon before the caroling begins. And oh, so that's, that's right. Ah, uh, really, the caroling. Oh, yes, the caroling, Chris. That's, that is coming. <laughs> Few nights from and now. And speaking of the holidays, Murd, how's the barn been treating you? The barn, <laughs> eh, well, <laughs> it's been providing for my future uh, sustenance and room and board and all of that. But uh, <laughs> at a 
at a cost in uh, physical and mental well-being. A, a cost that I can still afford to pay, but uh, <laughs> my, my, my dogs are barking right now, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> I will, my, my, my family and I will all be sleeping the sleep of the just come January. <laughs> I can imagine. How have things been at Wild Pig at, uh, at Christmas time? Uh, okay, I mean, Christmas, uh, interestingly enough, usually isn't a huge selling period for us. Um, everything's Amazon. So we are doing okay with uh, people buying. We're doing special promos as Bill's Design for uh, Magic the Gathering products, and some of that's doing well. Um, but otherwise, it's just kind of just normal business for us. We don't, we don't see like a, a huge surge of, of customers uh, over the holidays. So, Do you uh, sell gift certificates? Yeah, we have we have gift cards, um, and we we recently signed up we recently signed up a promo campaign with Yelp to sort of get, have more outreach. So we also have gift cards available through that uh, as well. So uh, we're, we're 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 holding steady. We're hanging in. It's it's always uh you know you always got to sort of man the ramparts and fight off the inevitable <laughs> forces of the modern economy and and the sort of the sort of the last bastion stand of the comic book medium and trying to hold off all those forces. But at Wild Pig, we are – we prevail. So Excellent. Hey, I, I wanted to ask you, Chris, because we didn't have time yes. the last time we recorded, because you recently um, went out to Ides with, uh, with Shane. Oh, yes. I, I want to hear all about this. Uh, yep. I'm at, in the tradition now where I go, try to go to Pittsburgh three times a year, oh. um, and I've been doing that now the past couple of years, uh, winter, spring, and summer. And – uh, you know, first and foremost, to visit our, our dear old friend Dan Cangilla, who I'm sure is listening, Danny boy, <laughs> and uh, always like to see him. So Ryan went, and Ryan and I go out, and we were very lucky that this year, despite his often insurmountable scheduling challenges, <laughs> yes. Shane was able to join us on this trip, and we were floored and honored. I mean, Ryan, if he was a betting man, he would have lost. He was going to bet that up to the last minute, Shane would probably have to cancel. But <laughs> he was able to join us because I. I Mentioned to him months and months ago, and he was able to clear his calendar. We were so thrilled he joined us. Uh, it was magnificent fellowship throughout the weekend. <laughs> and we, of course, I went to Ides, uh, as I always do, to pick up uh, inventory. I've been shopping there now for 20 years. Yeah, Ides, I think, has been uh, one of the comic stores that's been around the longest that I'm aware about 40 plus years I think they've been in it's business. One of the oldest in the country. It opened yes. in 1972. Yeah. So, <clears throat> and yeah. I have an excellent relationship there with the manager, Ken, hell of a good guy. Uh, he always helps me out, um, and I got a lot of great inventory. Uh, we also went to the, the Steel City Con, the toy show there. Yeah, uh, I rarely ever buy anything like that. It's just fun to walk around and see what people have. Mm -hmm. We enjoyed that, and uh, part of the, part of my purchasing mission on this expedition was is that I'm I'm rebuilding my wall at the store. I'm going back into wall books. Oh, oh really? And, I love yes, and, wall books. If, if, see, ladies and gentlemen, if you, see, you can't see what I'm saying. The, 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 the look of almost salivating ecstasy that came across Pants' countenance, as I mentioned, that was thrilling. Well, if I can, interject, um, if I can jump please. for just a second, because Golden Eagle Comics has had for a long time, I think, a pretty good selection of wall comics. I would agree. You know, they go back as far as the early Silver Age with action and adventure. And, but it's been kind of stagnant. They actually haven't really rotated things out. They do have some things beneath they could rotate out. But they recently got in... Three new books, and they were. And I asked the, the guy. He said, "Yeah, they just came in. They got okay." Green Lantern number two. Mm. Wow. The second showcase appearance of Lois Lane. Oh. And the coup de gras. Whatever the pinnacle. Coup de gras. Yep. Pinnacle. Batman. Oh God, I forget. I think it's one twenty. The first appearance of Mister Zero, later to be known as Mister Freeze, which I do not have that copy. Oh well, then. But I'm not going to pay the price to have it because it's priced as it should be because it's, it's a key issue. And I mean, it's not in the best condition, but still. But I said, "Oh my God, new wall books! I love wall books." But anyway, I'm sorry. Continue on with the story there. Chris. Not at all, my friend. I, I always <laughs> enjoy your uh, back issue ejaculations. <laughs> so well, no way. That's why they're bagged and boarded. <laughs> <laughs> Let's get some wipes. All right, now. So, I, uh, Pants, terrible. really excited. That's it, terrible. I'm so sorry. It's, it's a holiday. I'm loopy from all this. I haven't oh. seen a son in months. <laughs> we, <laughs> oh, his, his head's getting red. I missed that. Um, when you come to the store for free comic book day, there will be a full wall in the shop. And the reason why I bring the wall books back is, well, twofold. 
three reasons. One, I miss doing them because <laughs> it's one of the things – I'm an expert at it, and I, I haven't sold wall books in six years. Wow. wow. Uh, when, when, the, when the economy tanked, uh, I got out of it because the, the last year the store was open before I temporarily closed it, we, we sold two, two wall books in a year. And I was like, all right, we're done because yeah, yeah. just no one can afford to buy these things. Um, but I, I wanted to bring them back, uh, one, because I'm getting back into doing more comic shows. I've always done them, but I, I'm going to do, do more of them now. And I've come to realize that with the exception of my old friend John, NewJerseyComicBookShows.com, 25 years doing shows in New Jersey, who's charges very reasonable table rates. If I want to do any other shows anywhere, if I don't have a wall, I can't afford to do them. Right. Because the cost to do most shows now is so through the roof, just for one table or one booth space, so to speak. you, you got to have a wall. Uh, otherwise, I, if, you, if I just bring my normal sort of, you know, bulk, low-cost low items, I'd have to sell a ton just to make the table cost back. So I wanted to bring the wall back for that. And also in the store, we're, we're modifying our, sort of our approach in that we're eliminating – we've already – we eliminated our new book wall some time ago. Um, we're eliminating most new trades on the shelves except for certain key ones I'll keep getting in for our bookcases because we're still going to have new – New trades, but we're not we're not going to get in many new ones because they just don't sell. Um, and we're, I'm going to really emphasize more and more our vintage comic selection, which is what I enjoy the most. And since we're d- further diminishing our diamond bill, which I'm thrilled about, um, <laughs> don't even get me started. So we're going to further push our vintage comics, our you know our 50 cent comics, our various you know bark and tear comics, sticker comics, and now the wall. And uh, I've already started a wall in the shop. We've got several books up there already, and my goal is by, within six months to have at least 50, <laughs> So, um, which we should be able to do through the various contacts I have. Um, so I'm very excited about it. Uh, I'm looking forward to doing more shows. Like I'm signing up for the Garden State Comic Fest in Morristown in July, uh, which some dealer friends of mine – uh, in fact, John Paul, I mentioned my old, my, also my old friend Mike Williams. They have they uh, vended at that show last summer, and they did very well at it. I mean, very well. Huh. So they so I'm going to be signing up to that show. But most of these shows, they're very pricey to do, oh, yeah. especially in New Jersey, where everything is just through the roof, just you know, to breathe the air, basically. So <laughs> um, that's 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 the other reason, you know, the wall has to be returned. And plus, I just I I love. Buying and selling, as you do, pants, vintage comics, and uh, I well, wanted me to more get the back buying into the selling. But. <laughs> well, of course, and uh, you know, as we as we're diminishing the diamond side of our business, we still have our reservists. Although we even modified that service as well because we just weren't making enough money on it. Um, and we're still going to have you know a, a selection of, of, of new trade paperbacks, but that's being diminished. It's just the nature of the beast right now. Unless you're, you know, a really large store in a city like a Midtown Comic, I can't afford to have all this stuff anymore because, frankly, very few people buy it. Um, so, but the vintage, the vintage comics do very well in our shop, and it shows because I price them affordably, um, and people still want their entertainment. They just need to be able to afford it. So, I, I'm very excited about that. And Ides, as always, was oh, pants. You guys have all been there. Oh yeah. I, I have to block out like a whole half of a day <laughs> when I go in there because you know at least three or four hours minimum because I literally go through everything and uh, you know I, I got boxes for my bargain bins. I started to get some wall books. I uh, picked up some stuff for some CGS listeners who had made requests. Uh, I, I I love eyes. If anybody traveling through Pittsburgh or that area, if you've not been to this store, you love comics. You owe it to yourself to go. Uh, eyes dot com. Yeah, I think it's one of the e- old- EIDES.com. I That's correct. Yes. EIDES.com on Penn Avenue in Pittsburgh. Um, it's it's one of the oldest and best comic shops in the country. Yeah. And before I forget, I did misspeak. It was Batman 121 was the first Mr. Zero appearance. Yeah, I ah. confess I looked that up myself. <laughs> goodness knows I didn't have it stored up here because <laughs> it's a number. <laughs> That's correct. It's a number. Well, that's awesome. I, I love Ides because, because they have many, many grades of like – each issue for available, and it's oh, like, yeah. I go for like the, the lowest copy because I just want to read the damn thing. But um. well, for example, I picked up uh, for my wall. I got an amazing Spider-Man one twenty-five, the second appearance of the Man Wolf. That's right, and uh, it's a Bronze Age book, but they had the probably the nicest copy of it I've ever seen. That I, I've because I've owned that book many times. It was a near mint minus. 
Um, but as you said, Pants, they had multiple copies of the book in the case in a variety of grades. Mm-hmm. So if you're someone who just wants to buy a lower-grade book just to own it, trust me, they're there. Oh, yeah. So, and I should mention in April, a little advertising for them, they usually do their spring sale. I don't know. I mean it, it usually takes place when the Still City Con comes back to town in April. I, I don't know the exact week, but it's usually around that time. They do a tremendous sale there at Ides. Oh, yes. And, and they give, oh, yeah. And you've been there. And they, and they oh, give yeah. very generous discounts mm-hmm. on virtually every – I mean they also sell uh, – like a lot of imported CDs, they they have a great selection of uh, new and used uh, DVDs, and even videotapes for people like Murd. Murd, you'd love the videotape <laughs> selection there, and uh, and their comic selection is, I mean, it's I, I've never seen it. I mean, I, I've never been to, to Mile High Comics. I've seen pictures, so I'm sure that's bigger than Ides. But as far as the East Coast goes, you're not going to get much better than. When it comes to a back issues in a store, in terms of the yep. sheer quantity and the selection, than going there. I agree so. wholeheartedly. Well, uh, I'm just gonna keep rolling on because I got a couple of things I want to mention. Uh, Go for it. I, I'm at the point uh, it, where you know I'm working nights at the store, and I've fallen woefully behind in, in my new comic reading. I mean, the last shipment I got from DCBS, I opened it up, I inventoried it. I don't think I've read a single one of those issues, so I'm just falling behind. I just can't find the motivation to read these new comics because, and even to order some of the new comics. I mean, I'm ordering maybe 50 to 60 bucks worth of comics um, per month right now when it used to be, you know, like twice that. And I'm wondering, is, is, it, is it just me? Because I know there's good stuff out there, and, you know, I, I can't read everything, but, I mean, is but see, it's tough with you guys because you don't necessarily read the new comics, Adam. And Chris is a retailer all the time, so I'm thinking: if anybody in the same boat as me, or am I uh, afloat in this all by myself here with my pants? I'm totally, I'm totally in the same boat because, as you mentioned, as a retailer, you know, I, I can at least treat myself to a better discount, and I get a lot of books. But, and I agree with you. I mean, I've been reading comics virtually my entire reading life, and I got to tell you that the selection of top quality stuff out there is phenomenal. Especially among independents, um, but there's so many books I want to read, but I, it's hard. Especially you know, with all my different responsibilities now in my, my middle age, it's hard to find the time mm-hmm. uh, and the energy. Now I'm not at, at, a, at a murder point where I have you know <laughs> mountains and canyons of comics throughout my abode. At the murder point, I really. Do. But um, you know, trying to navigate these shoals and eddies around these comics, but shoals I, I, and eddies. Yes, wow. But I, I, I do I'm have sure you know, a respectable, respectable little pile and a, and a short box next to my bed. But here's here's the thing. What I find is every week when I get my new batch, there are certain titles and/or writers I read them almost immediately, and I find that there's certain books that they get further and further down in the pile. And I start to question, okay, should I even be buying this book anymore because it's clearly not captivating me the way these other books are that I read almost immediately. And then you get into that, you know, for a geek, that painful decision of should I just axe this title completely? For example, as many as you all know, as many listeners know, I'm a, I'm a you know, I love Spider-Man. I'm a hardcore Spider-Man fan. I am probably a year behind on Amazing Spider-Man. Um, and part of that for me is that I've grown increasingly weary as I get more curmudgeonly in my older age <laughs> with the the two major companies and the fact that I know these books until there's an apocalypse financially or otherwise will never end. <laughs> and because I know that that's never going to ha- that probably will not happen anytime soon, I don't feel as as invested in these a lot of these titles anymore whereas with a book like you know a saga, a Lazarus, a Southern Bastards, um, the new book Britannia, which is tremendous from Valiant, um, Murder Shaking said an affirmation there. Uh, these are books that I know these creators because they're in, they're they're creator owned in many cases. They're going to end. There 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 there's a storyline that's going to end, and I find myself more drawn to those books. And part of it is is not it's, it's also just my time in that I'm if I'm gonna. Take the time to read these comics, which becomes more and harder and harder. I want to be invested in books that I know are going to take me somewhere. Whereas I know it's the nature of the beast; they have to make money. I understand they're corporations, but you know, Batman and Spider-Man, probably my lifetime, are never going to end. Um, I mean, or, or if, if the, even if the single issue format goes away, they'll probably appear in some other format if they can make money out of it. 
And I still want to follow those characters, but they're just going further and further down in the pile. Now, having said that, there are other superior titles that I'm vigorously reading, like the new Aquaman by Abnet, I think is outstanding. Every week that comes out, I read it almost immediately. I'm very much engaged in that character and what they're doing with him. Part of that's because I'm very interested in stories that involve geopolitics and things of that nature. Um, but other titles like a Spider-Man, a Batman, sorry, Tom King, um, so forth, they're, 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 they just keep going further and further down in the pile. But then a book like The Vision, which I found one of the most innovative titles of the past few years, this is the first book I read every week it came out. Yeah. So a lot for me, a lot of it is just who's writing it and what are they doing with the, the, the character and or – is this an is an independent owned book that has a a lifespan to it? Like Killer Be Killed by Brubaker and Phillips is amazing. The, the latest uh, crime noir opus, I read it as soon as it comes out because I know I know it, a I love those creators and b I know this story has an ending. It's going to end eventually, so I feel more invested in it. That's my two cents. I didn't want to jump in here at all. <laughs> no. Well, just to say that you know I'm in the same boat that you are, and uh, just uh, a lot deeper in the hold than uh, <laughs> either of you are. Uh, yes, I'm uh, kind of beyond all uh, guilt, beyond hope, beyond shame, guilt. beyond redemption. And I'm, I'm reading stuff from 2003. Enough said. Okay. But I am not going to dispose of any of it until I've read all of it. You know, I, I always remember the words of our co-founder Peter all those years ago. You know, I refuse to die until I have read every comic <laughs> book that I have amassed. <laughs> in the meanwhile, I just continue to buy anything and everything that looks interesting to me and throw it onto the pile. Okay. Murd, what's encouraging about the statement is that I'm reassured now knowing that you will live for at least a century. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to live forever. Oh, <laughs> I'm going to learn how to fly. Bird. <laughs> <laughs> wow, the choreography in that was stunning, ladies and gentlemen, by yes, the way. Yes, I lifted both my arms above yeah, my wow, head. Wow. Not just one, but both of them. And he kind of shimmied in his seat a little bit there, too. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So you notice the subtleties. I thank you, Chris. I, I do indeed, <laughs> sir. Yeah, uh, I mean, I, I'm, I'm not really reading much stuff at home. I'm reading some stuff at work because when I'm at home, at least like right now, I'm either sleeping, watching TV, or I'm playing Lego Dimensions. I can't stop playing Lego Indeed. Dimensions video game. Uh, struggling with another addiction, I see. Yeah, well, the, the problem is that, you know, I'm not a, uh, a young person and mm. I, I have no... I have very limited uh, eye-hand coordinations, it seems, with these video games. I mean, it's, it's a fun game. There's, all, there's actually a lot of superhero stuff in, 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 in the game, no pun intended. But um, there's some new features that came out for it this year, but I'm trying to finish up all the old ones from last year. And there are some open worlds where you can go and explore and do all kinds of things and, like, little missions and so forth. But there's also these mini races in each world where you can either race, you know, by land, sea, or air. And when you complete them in a certain amount of time, uh, you get a gold Lego brick. Like, ooh, you know, a virtual gold Lego uh, brick. Yeah, gold brick. <laughs> right. So I'm trying, <laughs> I'm trying to get 100% with these things. But then if I can't complete, and I would, I would, I would spend over an hour sometimes. That's right, over an hour trying to get one of these bricks because he, I, I'm moving around. Oh, I missed a gate, got to go back. Oh, I was too slow. It's like, I can't do it. But when I'm at work, I've been reading some trades that I picked up recently. <laughs> um, like, for instance, I picked up the um, Life with Archie uh, trade, which are collecting, well, I guess it's called the Married Life. It was collecting the... Archie marries Betty, Archie marries Veronica stories from uh, the magazine from a few years ago. I'm collecting all the stories in, in a train. There's like six trades of them. And I started the first one, and I enjoyed it. It written by, um, mostly by Paul Kupperberg. Oh, indeed. Yeah. Did Tom DeFalco write some of that? He wrote towards the end mm. of, 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 the, of the series. Um, and it was fun. It was reading. They had a, a, some back matter in... in um, one of the uh, collections, and Paul Copperberg even admitted sometimes he forgets which world he's writing about, you know, where Barry's <laughs> Veronica. Because, like, in, in the world where Archie is married to Veronica, Reggie is with Betty. And in the one where Archie's married, Betty rages with Veronica. So you have that. There's a little bit of, like, some crisis going on where they, they cross over to different worlds. You got Jughead um, hooking up with Midge in one world. It's, it's all kind of stuff, but. 
it was enjoyable enough. To, uh, Cheryl Blossom turns out she um, well she had, she had cancer, so they were talking, taking on some serious type issues in in uh, the book for for an Archie book because it was you know supposedly uh, later on in Archie's life. But then, and I remember hearing about this a couple of years ago, you know, spoilers for a few years ago book. You know, they they killed off Archie <clears throat> in the book, uh, the the death of Archie trades. <laughs> so when I got it, oh, this is the one where he dies. And actually, uh, it, the series ended with issues 36 and 37, uh, like with Archie. And there were there were two double size issues. First one dealing with his death, second one dealing with the year after. Damned if that wasn't some really moving stuff. I mean, I had to put the book down several times. It, it, it got so moving there, and it was just really a, a really nice send off, if you will, to the to the character. Although he's you know been rebooted and mm-hmm. so forth with the new stuff here, but. Some really good stuff. Um, so this is his whatever happened to the man of tomorrow then. That's, that's a probably a pretty good analogy for that. Uh, it was really good stuff. Uh, I, I also read, uh, you'll enjoy this, um, Chris. I read comic book Fever oh. from George Corey uh, from Tomorrow oh. Tomorrow Publishing during uh, my, my breaks at, at work. And, I mean, we've gone on ad nauseum about this thing, but it is really just awesome. 1976 to 1985, I'm sorry, 8 to 86, the celebration of comics just articles in depth on anything you can think of, whether it's the creators like John Byrne, George Perez talking about Crisis, talking about there's Archie stuff, there's Star Wars stuff, and they talk about some of the ads, the Hostess ads, mm-hmm. the Streetball yep, yep. ads. You know, it is just an, uh, a wonderful, wonderful collection. I mean, I can't emphasize that enough. But something else that caught my eye, I don't know how I. Misses when this first came out because I'm just completely not not with it. Apparently, Love and Capes from Tom Zoller. Yeah, that's been around for a while. I know it's been around for a while. It started as like you know a web comic and it's been comic book form with the uh, the eight panel page. He adds two of his four four panel strips each day in there. Uh, basically, it's if I'm my microphone. It's just, uh, the heroically super situation comedy. It's 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 got so many analogs to Lois and Clark. It's got the Justice League analogs in it, you know, with Batman, Wonder Woman, you know, Aquaman. There's even like a Doctor Strange type character oh, or Doctor yeah. Fate, if you will, type character there. It's just fun, fun comics. You know, just a romantic comedy, if you will. And I've, I mean, I was reading, I guess I got one to try out. I liked it. I bought the second one. Bought the th- so now I have all four of them. I just got the, the, the third volume yesterday. I already finished that. And now I'm gonna read the fourth one. It's just tremendous. I don't know how I missed this all the, all these years. Mm-hmm. So that, yeah, I don't either. Uh, Tom Zeller's actually been on the show. I know. Well, we I, I guess we interviewed him in uh, New York a couple times. But you, yeah. you had he was on the um, My Little Pony panel. You moderated that in Denver he a few sure years was. ago. Yep. Uh, but yeah, I, when I was out in San Diego. I picked up long distance from him, and I just enjoyed that. So it's like I've been reading a lot of trades, not a lot of single issues. That's why I'm I'm so far behind on these things. But yeah, I. I how do because it, it, it's things that I miss. I don't know how I missed this, but I was really devouring that series. It's just again, there's some laugh out loud moments in, in there, and it's just it's just really. I mean, the people who've been praising this in in like the forward stuff that you've got, Mark Wade, Kurt Busick, Gail Simone, oh. just effusing praise on the series, and rightfully so. I don't know how I I missed it all this time, uh, but now I'm glad I caught up on that. Damn. Damn good stuff. I'm glad you did too. Yes. I want to mention I finally read the first half of the Dark Side War. Um, I actually read it in Pittsburgh. Uh, I have the second trade on my nightstand. Thoroughly entertaining. I haven't read a good old fashioned, you know, epic uh, superhero event like that in quite some time. That 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 really affected me in, in the sense that I, I was enjoying reading. Didn't feel bogged down and worn down by it. And. Uh, the art was, was is stunning in that story. Forgive me, I forgot the name of the artist. Uh, I don't have the book in front of me. Was that Jason um, Fabok? I think it might have been, yeah. What's that, Mert? Uh, was it Jason Fabok, possibly? Yes, I, I believe so. Uh, like, his rendering of Mr. Miracle, what, what, I mean, next to Kirby, just gorgeous. Uh, terrifying rendition of Darkseid. Uh, but it just... Few people do these events better than Jeff Johns, and I'm really looking forward to reading the second half because I... Unlike most of these events, which just, again, tire me out, I was actually engaged and excited by uh, the repercussions of what was going on in the story. Very well done. 
So I, I'm really enjoying those. It's good to get back to a good old-fashioned superhero event that didn't feel just commercialized and packed to the point that I just don't give a damn. Uh, this this is just a, a great old-fashioned uh, you know, epic event where you felt like there were real stakes here, as, as there should be when Darkseid and the New Gods are involved. So good stuff. For those of you who aren't uh, – who, like me, are not such great fans of fourth world characters interacting with uh, the rest of the DC universe, it's, uh, it's Darkseid versus the Anti-Monitor. So yes. there's uh, you know, stakes beyond just uh, the uh, Kirbyverse corner of the DC universe, plus the crime syndicate of Earth-3 waiting in the wings to pick up the pieces. So, nice. Yeah, so if you, if you like uh, multiverse stories, uh, the, the, there's something there for you. And if you like fourth world stories, it's you know, Darkseid is right there in the title. So. Yeah. I, you, were oh! me, you were giving me that look. I was giving you the look, right? Give me the harp. Give me the air harp. There oh. we go. And once again, as, harps we as that unmistakable music lets us know, it's time once again for Muddle and Murd, our trivia segment on the show. But we have a little twist in this uh, segment. Oh, we have a twist. You are playing for a prize, Murd. What a twist. What a, what a twist. I have here in my hands a Muddle and Murd sent in... All the way from Missouri, from my good friend, Mr. John Burke. Oh, wowee. All right. Yes, John was our uh, roommate at Heroes Con. Yes. Known John for quite some time, and he uh, sent in this muddled murder. Okay. All right. The theme of this muddled murder is team-ups and crossovers. Oh, wow. This is a gift. <laughs> <laughs> Question number one. Independent pre-1970s MLJ productions, publications. Many people consider the first superhero team-up to have been between the original Human Torch and the Submariner in Marvel Mystery Comics number 8, cover dated June 1940. However, some people dispute this as a Submariner was considered by many as a villain. If you do not count this Torch-Subby team-up, then the first true superhero team-up took place in Top Notch Comics number 7, Cover dated August 1940. The team-up was between the S.H.I.E.L.D. and what other character? A great question. That is a great question. Yeah, this is a bit of uh, deep and important superhero trivia. Okay, so it's got to be one of the classic MLJ characters. Oh, my. I want to put it to the audience. Murd has his finger to his head like <laughs> Professor Xavier <laughs> trying to read something telepathic. I'm the replay. Yeah, I'm, I'm secretly a Rigelian recorder. I'm just a <laughs> pressing the replay button here. Uh, I'm going to say the comet. No, the wizard. I would not have guessed the wizard. Okay. Question two, DC 1970 to 2000. Justice League of America number 103 is a well-loved tale where the JLA visit a Halloween festival and parade. Uh. In, yeah, in the story, Felix Faust casts a spell that allows various ghosts and demons to come to Earth where they possess the bodies of cosplayers at the festival. This book is known for being an unofficial DC Marvel crossover as the yep, JLA... Yep. Right, it's a JLA fight cosplay versions of Thor, Spider-Man, and Captain America. For obvious copyright reasons, Spider-Man and Captain America were named differently in the story. What was the name of the Captain America lookalike? Well, I have not read this story, uh, so I'm wow. just going to have... Oh, yeah, there, there, there are some comics that I haven't read. Well, I, mean, I own thousands of them that I haven't read. So, so do I. <laughs> But, yeah, it's a, if this had been about, uh, like, issues 100 to 102, that's when the Seven Soldiers, Seven Soldiers of Victory, Victory came right, back. Right, right. Of course it's not. But you know what? <laughs> this is not the only 70s DC comic in which there was a Captain America doppelganger. I mean, there was kind of like a little uh, unofficial exchange of volleys between Marvel and DC as far as uh, including doppelgangers of their characters. Like, mm -hmm. the Freedom Fighters series featured uh, a little poke at Roy Thomas and his invaders, uh, versions of Cap and Bucky and the Torch and, uh, and Namor. Um, so, you know, none of this really answers that question. I was waiting where you're going with this. The Captain America <laughs> doppelganger in that comic was called America Mando. So I'm going to give that as my guess for JLA number 103. Judges, the answer listed here is Commando America. <laughs> yeah, that's not good enough. Uh, 
It says, here's, he has, adds a note here. It says, note, when this story was reprinted in Showcase JLA number 5, the artwork was significantly altered, making the Marvel characters look much less like their actual counterparts. Hmm. Pantaloons, may I interject for a moment? You certainly may. I just want to remind listeners, uh, fun, this is a fun little historical nugget. Th- these stories took place in Rutland, Vermont. Vermont, mm-hmm. yep. Uh, and which has had a actual Halloween parade uh, for decades now, and often superheroes are at the center of, of that parade. And many uh, Marvel and DC staffers, including people like Len Wein, Roy Thomas, Jerry Conway, uh, would travel to the parade. And there are several stories from the Bronze Age from both companies where they end up uh, in Rutland, Vermont. There's an Avengers story, I think, with Loki, if I remember correctly. They're really fun because you also see many, the creators, in many cases, put themselves in the story. So those, those are worth seeking out. Yes. All right. Question number three. Marvel 2000 to the present. All new X-Men number one, cover dated January 2013, begins the story where the youthful versions of the X-Men come to the present to meet their older selves. The story starts with Emma Frost... Cyclops and Magneto recruiting a young mutant girl named Eve. What was Eve's mutant power? Yep, and I know we've uh, we've all read this. I know we have because uh, we've. I think we were doing little reviews of all the different uh, Marvel now. Marvel now. That's correct. One issue. So this was Bendis. It was Imminen, and yeah, you're stalling. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. It's, it's, it's true. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I have no recollection of this Eve character oh being my present. So, yeah, I, I can't begin to tell you what her mutant power was. Chris, you want to take a stab at it? I'm ashamed to say, even though I've read that story, I don't recall what her power was either. She can stop time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, useful ah. for a story that involves time travel. But wait, there's a bonus question. This was oh. a, this is originally going to be his independent question, but based on the standard subject matter of the book, eh, it might be a little bit of bounds. He might thought it might be a little bit out of bounds, but we're going to go with it anyway. In Penthouse Comics number seven, wow. cover dated June nineteen ninety five, a story was published that was rejected by DC Comics for their Batman Black and White miniseries. The art was altered, and the names were changed to make it a parody story. The story was created by a famous writer-artist. Now, here we go with a, can you name this creator? How about, what is the name of the creator? Yeah. <laughs> I'll name him Fluffy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. Okay, so now I just kind of pick a kind of a maverick writer-artist out of the thin air here. Uh, Could so, it be a yoink, ladies and gentlemen? We yeah. don't know. Well, it, it might conceivably be, uh, uh, brother, uh, uh, yeah, somebody who would uh, submit something to Penthouse. Kevin O'Neill. Mobius. Okay. Wow. Well, I was right in guessing a non-American, but uh, <laughs> that's as, as right but as I guess. it's the holiday season of giving, so actually you get to give the present anyway. So please open it. <laughs> please open it on the air, sir. John, I deserve a bag of coal. <laughs> <laughs> Instead, you've Fantastic given me... Fantastic word. Oh, uh, what has he given me? It's wrapped uh, in a paper grocery bag, which you don't see very often anymore. Oh, hey, it's Shazam-related. It's, uh, oh, yes, it's this uh, hardcover cre- co- uh, collection edited by E. Nelson Bridwell. Oh, wow, your hero. Introduction, uh, with an introduction by him as well. Yeah. So read the note there as well. Uh, I will, of course, of course. Uh, dear Adam, you may remember that on one of our conversations at Heroes Con, we discussed our mutual enjoyment of the original Captain Marvel. During a recent antiquing trip with my wife, I came across a cop- this copy of Shazam from the 40s to the 70s. Oh, if I wow. recall correctly, you said that you had read most of the issues for your recent Captain Marvel spotlight online, and I thought you might enjoy these in glorious black and white. <laughs> and sure enough, it is in black and white. If I'm wrong and you already have a copy, please th- pass this on to some other Captain Marvel fan. Hopefully our paths will cross again at some future con. Best regards, John. Well, thank you very much, John, and Merry Christmas. Wow, look, yeah, look at this. It's got... Uh, That's it, wonderful. It is in black and white. It's got kind of a lengthy introduction from uh, you know, a comics historian and a uh, longtime contributor to DC Comics, E. Nelson Bridwell. My, I think he was number one on my list of underappreciated Yes, he was. Creators. He was, he was, yep. yep. And it's broken down by decade, 40s, 50s, and 70s, as there was no... 
uh, Fawcett Captain Marvel content during the 60s. Yes. And there's a bibliography at the end, too. It's over 300 pages worth of comics sampled from different decades. There are even a few pages of color. Oh, Mert, what a wonderful gift. Yes, and if I ever get my rear end in gear and uh, finish those Shazam spotlights. Well, those are wonderful. We look forward to them, sir. I I feel inspired, especially (laughs) since there will be a a Captain Marvel spotlight of another sort in the near future, possibly. (laughs) Possibly, possibly. Possibly. Nudge, nudge, say no more. Um. All right, well, since we're sort of getting down towards the, the end of the year, uh, I know a lot of people do some, like, looking back on uh, the year 2016. Uh, I'm, I'm going to just look back. At, I had a couple just, I mean, I know there was a lot of just bad stuff happened in 2016 all over the board. I had a really a couple really cool moments. One cool moment is, I think it was back in June or July, I, uh, Ringo Starr was in town for a concert. I literally walked from my house 15 minutes Siringo Star performed downtown ready. And at the end of the show, singing along with 5,000 people to, with the help from my friends at the end of the show, that was something I, I, I got uh. goosebumps sitting in there. That was just amazing. I'm so happy I got to do that. Um, later on, speaking of concerts, in September, when it was announced that Mike Nesmith was going to perform with the Monkees for what turned to be the final time in L.A., I went out to L.A., and I was there for that final concert that he was performing with the Surviving Monkeys, uh, Mickey and Peter. That was, as I'm a huge Monkeys fan, and, you know, of course, I, missed, uh, I never got to see all four of them perform together. I saw Davey Jones perform a lot of times. But getting to see, for what will be probably the, fi- the final time all of them performing together, that was just something I get another going to forget. Worth the plane trip, huh? Well, w- worth it so many ways. But... Perhaps the, the coolest thing that happened to me this year, I never thought I'd just happen again. Of course, you know I'm a huge Letterman fan. Uh, during, actually, during the New York Comic Con, uh, back in October, uh, the New Yorker magazine had a festival. And they had a couple of guest speakers, and they got David Letterman to come do a, a, a conversation for like about an hour and a half. So I got a ticket. I got to see. I was in the second row at on the on the aisle at a clear view of the stage. I mean, at, at the other end of my aisle was uh, his wife and son. Uh, I saw other people who worked on the, on the show there. He was in fine form. He hadn't lost a beat. It was just like, you know, being. And I just he's he's a, just a great storyteller. He told some a great story. It's a whole lot if you look about about his 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 mother's ninetieth birthday party which is hysterical, and of course, you can hear me cackling throughout the whole recording there. <laughs> but as it got towards the end, they had hinted they were going to have a Q&A session, and like, literally, like right behind me, they had the microphone set up, so I got out there, and I, I got the first question, and I'm going to play it for you here right now, because it actually sort of ties in a little bit to maybe another discussion. All right, we'll start with a question over here. <laughs> a sensory retirement. What other, I'm sure you've gotten other kind of offers, come back to television. What kind of offers have you gotten? What is your name, sir? Oh, Brian. Where are you from, Brian? Reading, Pennsylvania. What do you do for a living? I work at Toys R Us. All right. Uh, yes, I have, I have had uh, offers. Um, but but it, it, what I get is people say, well, what would you like to do? And I have to say, well, you know, I did what I would like to do. Uh, I get offers uh, uh, like a lot of cameo work. Like somebody was doing a movie. Oh, oh it was Spider-Man. Really? Yeah, Spider-Man. And they said, uh, would you like that you would be a street vendor in Spider-Man? <laughs> and, uh, I, I don't think that there is a device invented today that's capable of measuring the amount of time it took for me to hang up the phone. <laughs> <laughs> so that that was that was cool, getting actually asking another question. But now... I know that since then, the Spider-Man trailer has come out. Now, I didn't, uh, I didn't watch it. Now, hang on a minute. I didn't watch it, but because it, the movie is going to be out in, like, seven months from now? My God, seven months from now. I can, I can wait. I'll, I'll go see it in the theater. But some people in the break room when I was taking a break at work were playing it on their phone. So I heard a few things. I'm, like, trying to just knock it off. But, so if you guys wanted to talk about it, I could really back out. Did you guys want to talk about the trailer at all? Hello, anybody there? Uh, have, you, have you seen it, Murd? 
I think I've seen both of them, All actually. Right. Well, let me just turn my mic down, and you guys have it. Just give me some. Oh, well. <laughs> <laughs> He's putting in his headphones, ladies and gentlemen, to just dr- t- tune us out. Uh, I love the Spider-Man trailer because, well, to back up a bit, the actor, who, and forgive me, I just forgot his name, who played him in Civil War, was of course going to play him in the new Spider-Man film. I thought his rendering of the character, and, and no, no disrespect to Tobey Maguire, I really enjoyed in the Raimi films, but my sense of the the, the Capture Spider-Man Civil War is that this is the best interpretation of the character on film we're going to see thus far, and also the best interpretation of the costume in terms of making it as close to the comic book as possible. And the trailer that they've shown us, clearly it's borrowing some elements from the Miles Morales Spider-Man, although it is Peter Parker playing Spider-Man in this movie, um, but just – the action scenes they showed, the banter, which is the one thing I thought that was glaringly missing from the Raimi films, is very much here, both in the Civil War appearance and clearly in this new movie. Um, and, I mean, it's, it's freaking Michael Keaton as the Vulture. I, I mean, I'm extremely excited about that. Uh, and I think that's just – the fact that he did Batman and Birdman, which is a brilliant film, and now he's doing the Vulture, I, I just find fascinating. Um, but I, I think, once again, I, I give – Props to Sony, probably out of financial desperation, for doing the right thing and turning the property over essentially to Marvel. Although I'm sure Sony's still involved, but Spider-Man's home where he should be. And I have no doubt this movie will be as good as any of the other Marvel films that that have been produced by the MCU. And I think they have the right actor uh, to capture the character. And I can only hope that eventually the Fantastic Four... Uh, also find their way back home where they belong. Amen. Murray, what are your thoughts? Yeah, it. Uh, I, I'm willing to uh, stake my money where yours is, Chris, that this will indeed turn out to be the best cinematic interpretation of Spider-Man that we have yet seen. Um, yes, it, it's got the lightheartedness. It, well, it appears to anyway to have the lightheartedness that it needs to have. I agree that uh, the young actor, uh, a quick wiki search told me his name is Tom Holland, apparently. I remember. Thank you. That's right. Yep. Yep. I I think I remember reading back around the time of Captain America Civil War that he actually was trained as a circus acrobat. That's correct, yeah. And hadn't had many acting credits to date, but he certainly acquitted himself very well as Spider-Man in that movie, and I've no doubt he'll continue to do so in uh, the the title franchise. Um, Yep, it's nice that you you mentioned uh, this appearing to borrow something from Miles Morales, uh, namely that uh, this Peter Parker actually has a friend that he can hang around with and uh, who shares – his secret and uh, also, I guess, the, the burden and the responsibility of uh, you know, going around and saving lives as Spider-Man. It's all going to be good. And, yes, Michael Keaton as the Vulture after being Batman and Birdman. There, there is a certain uh, meta aspect to that casting that uh, will be fun to explore. Um, yeah, there's his costume, uh, he looks a bit like more like a big drone than like a bird to me. But, uh, uh, yeah, I guess... I, I kind of wish it were more streamlined. I mean, it doesn't have to be the the, the green leotard that uh, that uh, Adrian Toomes actually wears in the comics, but <laughs> I, I wish it were a little more avian and less uh, aeronautic. Is, is what I'm saying. But yep, had to had to nitpick something. And yes, the <laughs> costume for Spider-Man does look great, Chris. I agree with you there too. He's got the uh, under the arm glider webs, a la Ditko. Yeah. That's nice to bring that back in there. So it, it seems to be stepping back. I, I think this is supposed to take place before. Uh, Civil War, like to show us uh, how he has... Oh, I don't know about that, Murr, because they show Tony Stark in the trailer. Oh, the, so oh I don't, yes. I don't, I don't think so. I think it's after Civil War. Okay, that's right. Well, yeah, because I, I think there is, well, at the very least, I think we're going to see some of what. Oh, uh, that's that's probably tr- the case. Yeah, yeah I'm maybe sure. some of it will be set before, maybe, and maybe yeah. we'll incorporate the historical moment of uh, Civil War yeah. in the middle of the the film's timeline. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I think we do see how he gets his powers, and uh, at least how he steps out of that like sweatsuit costume he was wearing mm-hmm. and receives the new costume that Tony Stark gives him. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's. It, it 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 it's going to be good. I'm pretty sure. I, I was never really that big a fan of the Sam Raimi take on the character, though I know Matt is a just drools over it. Um, Andrew Garfield, th- those movies. I thought the first one was actually pretty good. You know, as, as do I. And then uh, took a big step downward with the next one. Ugh. But yeah, now we can just uh, wipe the table clean and uh, and then start afresh, as you say, Chris. And as Marvel Studios is saying, Spider Man is indeed coming home where he belongs and getting. Peter Parker to interact with the rest of the Marvel Universe as he should. It's, it's, it's going to be great. And I should point out, speaking of films, that 
not in this episode, but we will be reviewing Rogue One uh, in the near future. We, we wanted Shane to be part of that because he's such a big Star Wars fan. He couldn't join us tonight, so that's coming down the pike. And when I saw Rogue One, so many wonderful trailers before it. Logan, the aforementioned Spider-Man, Guardians of the Galaxy. I'm just so excited with all the films that are coming down the pike uh, pertaining to all these uh, great characters. So, uh, you got I think Pants... You got better Go trailers than I did, Chris. Uh, oh. Well, I got <laughs> Kong of Skull Island. I, I got to see that one. That, that's Yeah, we got that one too. That was worthy. But we also had like the, the Passengers and uh, – shoot, I don't even remember the others. But anyway, I would have rather seen the ones you saw. Indeed. I think it's safe for Pants to come out of his uh, sensory deprivation chamber. <laughs> Like my, oh, sound, he's my back. soundproof booth. Soundproof. Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> no, That's all right. Your, your tongue and your brain are both uh, weary. <laughs> okay. Let's see what else I have here. Oh, um, we may at some point have, or there may be in the future, a more with Shane involved discussion of Rogue One. We just we just said that, actually. Oh, you did say that? Okay, well, I'm yeah, yep, I, yep. I that was in my soundproof. <laughs> soundproof. Booth. Blah, blah, blah. All right. I guess we could have let you out of there. A little, <laughs> well, a little yeah, but the music was so cool and everything in there. Um, uh, anything, anything else on anyone's mind? Uh, I wanted to mention Pants because I don't think you and I had a chance to talk about this. Okay. You, you, the Batman animated movie with Adam West and Burt Ward. Oh, Christ. I st- oh, man, you know, I, I wanted to go see that at New York Comic Con, and I didn't, and I wanted to get it and watch it, and I haven't, I haven't gotten it yet. I oh, you haven't seen it? All right. I haven't, well, I haven't seen it yet. Well, we'll oh. table that for a future episode because Shane's seen it. Murd, have you seen that yet? No, no, I haven't. Oh. Okay, I really, I'm really looking forward to your pin on that pants because you're such a, you're such a, a, a diehard fan of the, I, the '60s show. Yeah, so. I, I got to get a copy of that. See, I'm, I'm just, well, I'm next, just if you don't get next time I see you, which hopefully will be soon, I will lend you my copy. You are generous beyond generous, sir. Well, you got to take care of family, you know. <laughs> Can I borrow some money? You, I'm, I'm a teacher and a comic shop owner. Do you need some money then? <laughs> <laughs> and, I have, and I have two kids. There's no money. I'm sorry. Oh, how are you surviving? Oh, my. Good God. I got. <laughs> uh, well, am, I, am I forgetting anything? Uh, let's see. I got. I'm going on my list of notes here. Uh, anything looking for? Well, oh, one, one, thing, one thing I wanted to mention, uh, I'm sure uh, Murder can jump in here, of course. I'm looking forward to when we do our awards early next year, right, Mert? Oh, yes. Yes, we will have the CTS Best of 2016 awards. Well, I'm so glad when uh, that was when you brought that back, Mert. You, you were on the vanguard of that. And I'm especially excited for this one because I think 2016 was such a, a thrilling year for, for, for comics. And there's so many. I'm, I'm going to have a hard time uh, picking and choosing nominations because there's a lot of great material out there, ladies and gentlemen. Mm-hmm. So. Very much looking forward to that. Yep, we may get an interesting variety of nominations this year. Absolutely. So, anything else, Pantaloons? Well, I mean, is there anything anyone's looking forward to for 2017 as far as, you know, whether comics or anything spatial they want to chat about? Have not thought that far ahead. Okay. Well, Lego, uh, ba- let's see. Lego Batman movie comes out in yep. February. That was <laughs> another uh, trailer that I saw in front of Rogue One. Actually, I didn't see that trailer, but because I'm going to go see, it, of course. But uh, wait, what's coming out? In February? The Lego Batman movie. Oh, that's right. Because we've already yeah, that, got that should be a lot. Of we've fun. already got about three or four different sets of Legos for in the store. It's like, and that's going to be a uh, it's going to be a whole part of Lego Dimensions game when it comes out as well. So I'm like looking forward to that. <laughs> I'm I'm looking forward. You know, a in terms of comics. The continuing uh, series that of all these wonderful creators are involved in, uh, people like Jason Aaron, people like David Walker, people like Brian K. Vaughn, Ed Brubaker. Uh, you know, I'm very there's again there's so many great comics to read these days, and and as we mentioned at the beginning of the episode, it's so hard to keep up, which is a good thing because there are so many that are worth reading right mm-hmm. now. And uh, as you guys mentioned, you know. We're definitely living in a very singular age when it comes to the, our beloved characters being adapted on screen in a way that they couldn't have done even you know a decade ago. So uh, this, this is an exciting time to be a fan of a lot of these 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 icons. So I'm excited, even even as the actual, as I mentioned before in the beginning of the episode, the actual comic book itself. Some might argue economically might be receding a bit, at least. 
from my perspective as a retailer, uh, the, the characters and, and, and their world are alive and well in, in many other formats. And hopefully comics will continue to be part of that as well. Yep. So. I'm looking forward to getting back at some more cons so I can get Jazz again and maybe start getting back into reading the comics. And when I get them, it's like letting them pile up because, well, you know how it is. Once they get piled up, it's like, well, I'll get to mm. one. The next thing you know, the pile is high yeah, and high. It, just, and it high. begins to feel like a chore. Yeah, but I don't want it to feel like a chore. I want it to feel like, oh, okay, yeah, I really want to read this. But then obviously if I really want to read it, I would have been reading it. Speaking of a pile, Murd, do, do, dare we hope a time bubble is coming down the pike? Uh Maybe. I've, <laughs> I was planning to do one months ago, but that it, it sort of fell through. And now, So I've, I've got the notes. I've, I've got everything. All the prep has been done. I'll kind oh, of have terrific. to do it over again to remind myself of uh, what thoughts I had. I think you were doing Alias number one, weren't you? Yes, that, was, that, was one of, that is one of the books that I will oh, discuss wonderful. when the time comes. But the, the time has not yet come. <laughs> Sometimes, and Bert, I meant that, I meant that without pressure. Just that we all love those time bubbles. So. <laughs> Early in the new year, but you know, all, we're all just kind of telling ourselves once uh, holiday season has come and gone, you know, it's, uh, maybe that uh, pile of books will look more appetizing to you by then, Brian, yeah. once you've uh, had a chance to rest and recover. And see the sun. Yeah. I hear and it. speaking of the holiday – I'm sorry, Pants. Go ahead. I was, uh, I'd see the sun again sometime. It'd be nice. <laughs> well, speaking of the holidays, Murd, uh, tonight I'll be trimming our tree, and I have ornaments I purchased this past September – at the uh, Murdo store down in Stone Harbor, I'm looking forward to putting on the tree. I am so I am honored that they will be so used, Chris. Yep. Sorry, I couldn't make it out to your store this season. Logistics made it impossible, but I understand completely, uh, Chris. Believe me, I've uh, had to forego doing lots of things I wanted to do this Christmas season too, including well, you know, I, I actually haven't had a chance to read much of anything this for weeks now because you know, I work. Pretty much twelve hours a day. Yeah, you're a little bit covered in glitter, as a matter of fact. Oh, you noticed that, huh? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was, I was kind of, I didn't want to say anything, but I said it anyway. Oh, it's like fallout, man. It's <laughs> it's my battle scars. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, it's. Uh, I, I think you know what I'm talking about, Brian. I come home from work and my my, my higher brain functions are just gone for the time being. I just want to sit down, watch something, just let the entertainment be fed to me through my eyeballs. But. Now, since I, I can't really contribute to comic talk per se that much, I did want to throw in one mention of something that I got to watch that I probably should have watched a long time ago. And this is a, a Muppet fan alert here. I'd like to know if uh, Shane actually has seen this. I actually, through the magic of YouTube, I experienced <laughs> a little-known Muppet Christmas special from, like, early days. This is 1970, so Sesame Street was wow. still a new thing. Yeah, um, wow. But it's a special that Henson uh, co-produced with Ed Sullivan. Who acts huh. as the uh, very uncomfortable-looking host? Well, yeah, because they appeared a lot on the, the Ed Sullivan show, mm-hmm. the Jim Muppets, as I recall. Yep. So this was like a whole episode of the, the Ed Sullivan show, just turned over to this one um, story that uh, Henson and company produced. Oh. It was called the Great Santa Claus Switch. Huh. So if you search that on YouTube, you can find what I'm talking about. It's a story of how uh, Santa Claus and his little Muppet elves were kidnapped by the uh, evil sorcerer and petty criminal uh, Cosmo Scam, played by Art Carney. <laughs> <laughs> so that Art Carney could then impersonate Santa Claus and use Santa's sleigh, reindeer, and reputation to burglarize every home in the world. Dreaming big. Uh, and how Santa and his elves got out of this predicament using nothing more than a little bit of ingenuity and a lot of Christmas spirit. And it was the first appearance of a lot of, uh, like, little monster Muppets that uh, later appeared on The Muppet Show, including the giant blue monster Thog and uh, the creature that would later be known as Gonzo. Wow. It's the first time a Gonzo puppet was ever seen. I did not know that. That was a deep cut. Great. (laughs) (laughs) I've read about this special for years, and now I've finally taken the time to sit down and watch it. So, little, uh, little known chestnut from that glorious decade of the 70s. I do recommend it, and like I said, just search Great Santa Claus Switch on YouTube, and you can enjoy it, too. <laughs> Excellent. Well, if there's nothing else, I guess we'll wrap it up for us. Let us wish our listeners a happy holiday season, of course. Thank you, as always, for all your support. And we'll see you in the new year. And this episode of Comic Geeks Speak Once again was brought to you by the fine folks at SuperheroStuff.com. You can go to for all of your superhero, superhero stuff. stuff. 
All right. If you'd like to send us an email, our address is comicgeekspeak at gmail.com. Like to send us a voicemail, it's uh, the number is 267-702-6642. You can like us on Facebook. You can follow us on Twitter. We're at comicgeekspeak. That's our handle. Uh, We'd like all of you, if you have the time, to stop by thecomicforums.vanillaforums.com to visit our uh, forum where you can uh, leave uh, comments and or questions on this episode and many others at our talkback section or take the time to participate in comics-related discussions with uh, fellow comics uh, readers and or podcast listeners. have some nice little community we've got going on there. Uh, We'd like to thank everyone who's donated uh, monetarily to the show uh, recently or in the distant past. We really appreciate it. We could not continue to do the show without you. And as always, we are uniting the world's mightiest heroes one listener at a time. 